Well, good morning. Are we awake? No, not yet. That's because we have reclining pews. That's the problem. That's why church pews are uncomfortable. Keep you awake. It's a all wood. Um, hey, I'm excited you're here. Um, it is very obvious when we are small like we are when a holiday weekend comes up. Um, because we see and we have a lot of people traveling and a lot, and so we're praying for them, and we hope. But um, it, we're together, and we do with what we have, and we give God the glory for that. And so I'm excited you're here. I'm excited about this time of year. As you can see, um, Christmas threw up in our house and stuff. I mean, it is it is everywhere, which is kind of nice because it's the first time in a long time that we've been able to do kind of all of this and everything. But um it's the idea of just getting into this whole season, and you know, we, we, we're nervous about tomorrow because it's going to get all the way down to 60. So, um, for us natural Floridians, we need to get our sweaters and our jackets out and all that stuff. But it is that time of year, and we are coming up on Thanksgiving, and we're coming off that, and it's just really funny to me that we always kind of get into this place where, we're like, oh, it's Thanksgiving, so I should be thankful for something. And we, we think about it this time of year. And so I have a question for you um, this morning. We're, we're going to talk back and forth a little bit, but what are you most thankful for? It's not rhetorical and stuff. So what are you most thankful for? Mikhail, what are you most thankful for? Family? Okay. That's good. What do you got? Your house. Yes, your new house and everything. What else? What else are you thankful for? Jesus? There we go. That's good. Back row Baptist people. What? Huh? <laughs> Yo. Seriously. Get, what What are you thankful for? You got more? What? Your doggy. Okay. That's good. Well, there's a very scientific poll taken on Facebook that was, um, they asked like the 10 most thankful um, things, and, and I like it, and this is really kind of funny to me. It says, top off as friends, was the people most thankful, then family. And then health, and then of course it's Facebook being scientifically family and friends. So I guess that's just a whole other category. Their job, husband, children, roof over my head, life, music. I think what this does prove is that Facebook is used mostly by women, because I would have put wife on there, or a guy probably just said family and everything. But you know, we know that there's women out there that are sitting there saying, "Yeah, I'm thankful for my husband," which I'm thankful for, and I, I hope that you would. I am. Be. Okay, that's good. And stuff, but those, <coughs> those are the ten top thankful things. But it's fun. Move over a little bit. Move over. Oh, I gotta stand in front of the fire. Yeah, now I can see. Okay, all right. But um, those are the ten most, you know, scientific face as scientific as Facebook is. That that's the ten most thankful things. But it's funny that it seems like only this time of year that we kind of think about being thankful. And and, and this morning, I, I just I just want us to take this idea that. that Thankfulness should be something that's all year round. G.K. Chester, a great author, says, When it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or you take them with gratitude. And the idea is that I think that we are blessed above most people on this planet. I mean, even in our country, our poorest people are still some of the richest people on the planet. And everything, and I know there are struggles and everything, but this idea that we need to keep an attitude of gratitude all year round. That it's a heart thing, and, and, and there's stuff that we can just always look forward and say, man, I am so 
thankful for this. And so this is what I want to talk about this morning. So if you think of something that you're thankful for that just pops in your head, then just then just stop me and shout it out and everything. But I really want to talk about this heart idea that we always need to be having an attitude of gratitude. Let's pray. God, I thank you this morning, <clears throat> Father, that we can come together, that we can um, be a community, a family together. And God, we are so blessed to be able to do this. There's so many places in this world um, we're, you, you can't do this without fear. But God, you have given us a location and a place to meet, and we thank you. God, we thank you that um, you're in the midst of us, God, and that what you have to say is the most important thing. And so, Father, we just ask that you would speak to us, that you give us ears to hear and hearts to respond, and God, that we might truly see how truly blessed and loved we are by you. God, may this bring you glory, and may you have your way this morning. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's just, uh, just not to be kind of, like I understand everybody probably knows what this means, but I just thought about this whole term, attitude of gratitude. Attitude means a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. And, And if you pay attention or you walk around like the mall, especially this time of year, you know, the Friday, Black Friday, you walk around. I don't see a lot of people with a great attitude. And a lot of times through the year, you see a lot of people kind of downcast and everything. And so it's this, it's not just like, hey, I'm thankful, but it actually shows in us in an attitude. And then gratitude is the quality of being thankful. Readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. But that quality of being thankful, of always having that. And in fact, we're commanded. That. And Paul says the attitude of gratitude is a hard thing. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I will be the first to admit, that's hard. To give thanks in everything, even when things are struggling, even when things are hard, even when things aren't going our way, we are still commanded to give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for us. That we should always have this kind of heart attitude that says, man, there's still so much to be thankful for. There's so much to be blessed for. And so <clears throat> my question, as I was thinking through this this week and thinking about Thanksgiving, like, how do we do this all year round? How do we not wait for a turkey and a table full of food and and people all around and stuff just to be thankful? How do we continuously give thanks in everything? And like I said, it's a hard thing. And so you have your Bibles. We're going to go and look through this idea of how we maintain an attitude of gratitude. And the very first thing is Psalms, is that you and I are purposed for. Listen, the worst lie that could ever hit any of us is that you're an accident. That you're just some random act that happened and you're here and there's no purpose for you and there's no reason for you to be here. It is my biggest, biggest problem with evolution. Because evolution says, basically, we're all random accidents. That just the right things happen at the right time and just by chance we got there. But I love that God has a different view of us. And so as we maintain this attitude of gratitude, the very first thing we need to know is that I'm here on purpose. In Psalm 139, one of my favorite psalms, it says, starting at um, verse 13, it says, For you, God, created my inmost being. 
You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Every single one of us are here on purpose. And I know a lot of times there are a lot of people that will speak into us and say, well, no, you're not that important. Or, you know, we, we met a gentleman this past Friday that we talked to about 30 minutes. His name's Dave down at the farmer's market. And all he could say is like, I'm just a loser. I'm just a loser. I'm just a nobody. And, and that's what the world says. And the problem is, is when we hear that so much, we start telling ourselves that. And I, I just want to challenge you. You know, as creative beings, as followers of Christ, we should have some of the highest self-esteem that anybody has. And I just want to challenge you, write this on your mirror. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So you're reminded every day that God looks at you and says, man, you, you are the crowning achievement of all creation. You're not an accident. That you have, There's a plan and there's a purpose for you. And you're here on purpose. Ring your doorbell. That's it. But the next thing is, is even though we were made that way, we've all decided, and we talked a little bit about this last week, that we've all made a choice to walk away from God. That we wanted to do our own way. We, we want to do things our way, the way we want it, how we want it, when we want it, and all that stuff. And we have our own plan. And that, that's probably what's, that is, not probably, that is what's caused our break of how we view ourselves. When we no longer see ourselves in the light of God, then we see ourselves incomplete. But the good news this morning is that God loved us so much that he went looking for us. That he sought after us. One great author says, you know, the hounds of heaven came chasing after us. In Luke 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus Christ entered this world to find every single one of us. Every single person that's in this community, every single person around this globe, he came to seek and save which is lost, because that's what we are. See, we were created, we were made for purpose, but then we walk away from that purpose, and all of a sudden, we don't find it anymore. We get confused, and we get frustrated, and we get lost. But you and I are sought for. Doesn't it, isn't it just an awesome feeling to know that someone is looking out for you? Isn't it an awesome feeling to know that someone is chasing after you with all they have? And that that's God. That's God. I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it's kind of like, I think about, you know, the old middle school dance in the gym. Where all the boys are on one side and all the girls are on the other side. And the best feeling in the world was when you saw that one person, that one girl walk across the gym and say, you want to dance. I, I just picture God. This We're all standing on the side and we're just kind of middle schoolers and we're all like, I'm a loser. I got nothing. And God is the one that takes that step across the stage, takes that step and walks towards us and comes after us. When I was little, I remember um, we were at Disney, and my brother and sister, it was the year Space Mountain opened, and I, I was young, and my brother and sister went on Space Mountain, and I got about like two-thirds of the way up, and I heard someone screaming. I'm like, no, not me, and I ran out and stuff, but I got kind of lost 
at Disney. And like, I just start walking around, like, I don't know where to find them, where they come out of this thing. This is crazy. I just hear people screaming. They're killing people in Space Mountain. I don't know, which is kind of funny because now, like, Space Mountain is like the lamest, like, roller coaster in the world and stuff. But I know, but it is, but it is. It's intense if you're little. But, you know, and I got lost and it was terrifying for me. But my brother and sister came looking for me, and there was no better feeling when I knew that someone was looking for me and that they found me. Man, that is something to be thankful for, that the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, is looking and seeking us. And he not only sought us, but he provided for us. In Romans 5, 7, 8, Paul writes, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Our greatest need is not the biggest paying job. It's not the house. It's, it's, it's not the food. It's, it's not the clothes. It's, it's none of that. Our biggest need is to be restored into a relationship with the God that made us. We, we are all broken, and every time I take time and we go down to the farmer's market or I hang out at Starbucks and I'm talking to people, and I, I'm understanding this and seeing this more and more as I walk through this community, that we are all broken. And yet God, while we were still enemies, while we were still against him, said, I have a provision for you. That we don't have to fix ourselves. We don't have to do anything for ourselves. That when we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And what the greatest feeling in the world, the most thankful I am in the world, it's not my family. It's not my house. It's that the God of the universe died for me when I didn't deserve it. And when I didn't want it either. And then finally, we're, we're planned for I love these verses, and, and we throw them out a lot. And, and Paul writes, you know, after all this treatise about, you know, the wages of sin and the gift of Christ and all this stuff, he goes, and we know, verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, we love verse 28 as Christians. We throw that verse out all the time. Well, all things are going to be good for those that love him. That's not what it says. He says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That it means that everything together, it doesn't mean that everything's good, but everything together in the end comes together and is for our good. And, and I know this is probably the hardest thing that we deal with. And it's one of the biggest questions of the planet. If God is so loving, if God is so good, then why do bad things happen? Why, why are there struggles? Why, why are there atrocities and all this stuff? And, and I love that um, the daughter of Billy Graham once said, the best answer I've ever heard. She was being interviewed on Larry King. And he asked her, he said, if God's so loving, if God cares so much about us, why do bad things happen? And she very calmly and, and very class, classy just kind of stood there and looked at Larry King and just said, I was going to say classily, but I don't think that's a real word. 
Um, but just looked at Larry King and said, you know what? We looked at God and said, God, get out of our lives. We don't want you to be involved in anything. And then we get mad when he actually does what we asked him to do. See, we live in a broken world and fallen. And I know that times are hard. And I, I, I know that we struggle. But I also know that God has the bigger picture. And that in the end, it's all going to be good. It's all going to work to good. And the good that it's supposed to be is that we are conformed to the image of his son. We are perfected once again. We are exactly the way he created us to be. And, and the truth is, is that if we focus on these things, if we focus that I'm not an accident, that God made me, and he knit me together, he made me exactly the way I am, that no other person has the same fingerprints as I, that God took that detail in me and cared so much about me, that even when I ran away, that God went looking for me and sought after me. And as, as I was running away, that he provided a way to restore me, and that he planned for me, that even when things are rough and things are going crazy, that all that's going to work together. If I can focus on that, then there's no choice that I have but to have gratitude every single day of my life. See, this morning, if you don't know Jesus in a relational way, if you're not trying to follow him and go after him and be in that relationship, you can't understand what real gratitude is. It's hard to maintain that. It's hard to be thankful all the time. That there is nothing, nothing this world can do to me. I I love, it's it's not on my list, but I love at the end of Romans 8, there's an affirmation that Paul writes. He says, now this, now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm at verse 37. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing this world can throw at us that can separate us from the love of God. And if we hold that, and we meditate on that, We have no choice but to be grateful every single day. It's a change of perspective that we so desperately need. See, because many of us are saying, I am thankful, but. I'm thankful, but it'd be nice to have that job. Or I'm thankful, but it'd be nice if I had just a little bit bigger TV. I'm thankful, but if I had these friends, I'm thankful, but that's not really being thankful, is it? What if we started going, I struggle, and we we admit that, man, I struggle with this, or I have a problem with this, and man, I wish I made more money, or we had a better house, or I had a better job, I wish that, but thank God. What if we changed our perspective? See, the cool thing about, the coolest thing to me about God is that He's big enough for our anger. He's big enough for our disappointment. 
He's big enough for all that stuff. There, there are days that I sit at that desk out there and I just like, God, I don't like you today. This is hard and I don't like it. And I don't want to struggle like this. And I, and I don't want to go through these things. But God, thank you that you love me still. Thank, thank you that I'm purposed and I'm planned for and I'm sought after. And so this morning, K. Arthur, I love this. The great author, great author says, God is in control, and therefore, in everything, I can give thanks. Not because of the situation, but because of the one who directs and rules over it. No matter what you're facing or what you're going through, good, bad, or anything, God is still in control. He's still on his throne, and he's big enough for all of it. And in that, we can give thanks every single day. Can you imagine what that society would look like? In a country where we've been more blessed than any other country on the face of this planet, we've probably become one of the least thankful people. See, I I believe that we're blessed so that we can bless others. And that, that's why I love that we opened our house and we started this church here in this house. And I love that we can gather and hang out and be together because we're blessed with this so that we can bless others. And God is in control over all of it. And so this morning, I want to ask you one more time, what are you most thankful for? Music. What? That's an awesome thing to be able to. Yes, sir. That's good. Thank you. Is it? It's a good thing to be thankful for. Thank you. Emily and Heather, you did an awesome job. Thank you for being part of this. As if this morning you're struggling with something to be thankful for, I just want to remind you, you were made on purpose by a God that loves you so much that he became just like you and died for you. And in the midst of all your trials and everything, if there's nothing else, if this Thanksgiving, there's not going to be a turkey on your table or there's not going to be a bunch of family around you, there are still things to be thankful for. That there's a God that loves you. And nothing, nothing, nothing will stop him from loving you. I, I, I love it. A good great writer one time just wrote the Gospels this is that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you've ever done or ever will do that will make God love you less you are already perfectly loved if you have nothing else to be thankful for that's huge that's huge I hope this year all year not just this week but all year you will live out that you will maintain 
an attitude of gratitude. And that others will see that and they will ask why. That's an awesome thing. Listen, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask Emily and Heather to come back up. And we're just going to take time. And whatever God is speaking to you, maybe um, maybe we need to confess, God, I've not been that thankful. Uh, maybe we just need to sit there and just say, God, I want to thank you for, and the list goes on. Um, maybe you want to respond in worship through tithes and offering. Whatever that is, we always want to give a chance to respond to what God is saying and what God is doing in our lives. And so I'm going to ask them to come up, and they're going to play that song again, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. But let me pray for us. And let's just take a moment and let God just speak to us and remind us how many great things, how many awesome things that we can be thankful for. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to come together.